Hey listeners, just wanted to let you know before we get into the podcast that this is the first of two episodes this week. Expect a regular episode of Another Mean Green podcast on Saturday. But today we have a very special treat for you. We interviewed and really just talked to because he's our friend, Zach Babb, the voice of UNT women's basketball. So we were originally going to make him a guest like how we did with John Fields, but you know, one thing happened and another thing happened and it ended up getting a little bit longer than we would have liked for an episode. So, you know, without further ado, we made it its own episode. Enjoy the Zach Babb interview. All right. Hello, Bab. How are you today, my friend? Oh, man, I'm doing good. Just trying to survive uh, an evening with no running water in the <laughs> aftermath of the freeze. A water main yeah. broke on my street. It's uh, not fun right now, but man, the basketball has been cool. Yeah, uh, lots to talk about in that regard. Sorry about the water. Um, nah, it's all good. So you actually told me that pre-show. I got up, I tested my water just to make sure. Um, (laughs) I got congratulations. I've made you paranoid. Thanks, I appreciate it. Um, Come on now. Yeah, I guess I don't. I guess I guess I don't need to check my water. Yeah, you're only like seven states away. (laughs) Listen, at least we can run our water for more than thirty minutes without feeling bad. Hey, hey, hey! Don't don't speak too loud. Gavin Newsom's coming. <laughs> Gavin's tapped in. I think I hear him. <laughs> All right, Bab, how's your week been, man? It's been good. Um, got a couple wins over with women's basketball. A big comebacker on Sunday against Wichita State. Went down to SMU, beat them. Um, I mean, from a basketball standpoint, life's been good. Um, you know, outside of basketball, just doing my thing at Kane to you in the media arts department. And, you know, it's just uh, business as usual around here. Nothing too much to report outside of lots of winning basketball, which has been very fun for me. A nice little change of pace for you, might I add. Yes, um, especially considering a year ago this team went 11-20. and 20, uh, 14-3 and three is a very nice change of pace. Yeah, and, you know, something Milo and I have noted on this podcast multiple times is that when uh, UNT women's basketball, when when y'all did lose those games, like I, I think the first loss was uh, Montana State in Bozeman. Uh, the se- I guess that was second loss of the season, but that ended yeah, that big Yeah, streak. there was a, the A&M game early in the season, which, I mean, yeah. we were probably never going to win, but. Yeah, I mean, that's early in the season. I wonder how that game would would play out later in the season, but um, you know, I'm I'm curious as to what is this team's record coming off a loss. Um, well, considering they started an eight game winning streak after the A and M loss, uh, and then they lost back to back games, and that's the three losses. So really, I guess coming off a loss, they're two and one. Um, but I mean, continue, continually stringing together wins after losses. Um, if you add all that up, that's a 12 and one record. So yeah, so they that, don't, that kind they don't of... lose a lot in consecutive yeah. games that 
It's weird that of the three losses, two of them are consecutive. The Montana State game, which went right into the first conference game, was a loss at Charlotte. And, and, um, and, and outside of those two games, uh, on the road against an SEC team is your only other loss. Otherwise, it's all wins. Yeah, yeah, I think that's kind of that's kind of exactly what we've talked about on this podcast with this team is their ability to bounce back. I mean, I know they haven't lost very much, but to still keep that momentum going even after a, a loss. I mean, it's just real impressive stuff to see. Yeah, yeah, and it's just from even even from inside the game. I mean, I mentioned it earlier, the 18 point comeback in in basically one quarter uh, against Wichita State. Um, to win by four. And then even, even early in the season, you had some games where it was, you know, they'd get down early. They never got down as bad as 18, but they'd, you know, be at like a, a seven-point first quarter deficit or an eight-point halftime deficit, so on and so forth. And every time they'd come back and win those games with the the only exception is those those three losses. And so, you know, it's it, it's a very resilient bunch and you, you kind of have being around the team a feeling that no matter what, um, however much they get knocked down, they have the ability to get up and start swinging again. And and we've seen that we saw that in, in spurts early in the season, probably more than Jason Burton would have liked with some of the early deficits. But then, you know, you really saw it against Wichita State in that 18 point comeback. Yeah. Um and I want to ask you now this. I'll, I'll ask a little more specific later. But um, seven and zero at home. I think for both men and women's basketball, the Super Pit has been a temple this season. It has been the fortress, and they have defended it. Just why do you think that is? And you know, what what has it been at the Super Pit for women's basketball specifically that has just they found a way to get it done? I you know I think it's a it's a combination of factors. I'd say. Probably the two biggest ones is well, one would be, you know, kind of the obvious one. I think when you when you build the culture that Jason Burton's built there, um, when you're not dealing with the slog of a road trip and everything that goes into that, just waking up in your own bed before games, and and I, you know, even I'm not the one out there playing. I'm just calling the games, and even for <laughs> me, it's like, man, home games are so much more. There's so less stress. There's not a schedule you're on. Um, it's, it's just so much more convenient for a myriad of reasons. So when you combine that with the culture aspect that Jason Burton has built with this thing, and there's a video that the, the, the creative team dropped of him giving a pregame speech in the locker room a couple weeks ago, you know, the, the culture aspect and to directly quote him is he wants, he wants people to be afraid to come to Denton, Texas. And, you know, when, when you have, a group of, of 14 or so young women believing that you combine that with the just reality of being at home and it's, it makes it a very tough place to come play. And when you're playing as good as they are, it all just kind of all these little factors add up into, you know, becoming a, a really good, uh, you know, home team. And, and, and Burton's made the emphasis that, you know, you, you, you better win almost every game here because you're. it's not going to happen on the road. You can win a lot of road games. That's fine. That's what you want to do, obviously. But you better take care of business at home. And so far, they've done a great job of doing that. You know, you kind of answered one of the questions I was going to ask you. Come on, man. But 
Sorry. <laughs> but, you know, we, you mentioned culture. Uh, Eric Morris for football, I know it's a different sport. He told me in his, like, second interview ever, he was like, you know, culture is an overrated word in sports. I don't, I don't personally think that at all. And, you know, I, I feel like the team playing as well as they have with a lot of the, the same team that, that brought, that were, that were brought in or brought back from the Jaylee Mitchell era. I mean, if you go down the roster, you know, Tamisha Lampkins returning a lot of players, like more than one would expect have returned to this team with the added addition of the players that like a Colonel and, um, and, uh, I'm completely blank. <laughs> oh, Robinson, Deani Robinson. Yeah, yeah, uh, Colonel and Robinson that have been added. Um, they've been able to. It just seems like keep chemistry, and I just kind of want to. What What do you think uh, has been to kind of the reason for that? You know, I, I think it's just the, the the biggest word that I hear whenever I, because whenever we get a win and now there's 14 of them, I get to interview a, a player of the game after, after <laughs> the contest is over. Um, so in the 14 times I've done these interviews and I've gotten to talk to, I guess, I think we've had, which is another thing maybe we can get into later is just, you never know who's going to lead this team because everyone yeah. is capable of doing it. So I've had like seven different players of the game over the course of these 14 wins. And the biggest thing that keeps coming up every time I talk to them is confidence is the biggest thing that they have this year that they have not had in recent years. I mean, you talk to Jacqueline Moore, you talk to Tamisha Lampkin. It's just that they're playing with more of a, there's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's coach speak and it's sports cliches, whatever you want to say um that you know instilling confidence in these players is something that you know Jason Burton and his staff are really really good at and thus it's it's changed the whole mindset of the team and how they approach this because you know Misha Lampkin is confident that she can you know get down low in the paint as the five and just mm -hmm. you know bully people out of the way and make layups or get down low, play great defense, block a shot here and there. Um, you know, Jocelyn Moore, who was, you know, she was a volume shooter at Incarnate Word before she got to North Texas, um, put up like 222 three-point attempts on her own in Incarnate Word, came to North Texas last year and just, it never felt like she meshed in the system very well. But now you've got the Burton system where, She's still not the volume shooter she was at Incarnate Word, but mm -hmm. she's taking smarter shots where, yeah. you know, it's not just eight million threes a game. It's okay, you know, take a couple dribbles, step up, fade away, 18-footer, knock it down. Um, so just stuff like that where it's just the the job that, that Burton and Brittany Brown and Princess Davis and Dermon Jennings, all these, the coaches on, on the roster have just done a, an amazing job of just building up everyone around them, Yeah, which is, is, you know, you can teach X's and O's all you want. If you're not building up the confidence and the, the people aspect and the mental game, it's, it's a, uh, it, it's a, it's a hard skill, the psychology of it all, but Burton and his, and his staff do a great job of that. So, yeah. so you would say that, a lot of this is a lot of the success could be really attributed to a coaching change. I mean, I, I think like looking at 
the progression. I mean, it's really been night and day compared to last year. I remember last year, like it was, it was rough. I mean, you could probably attest to that more than anybody else, but uh, I mean, last year was rough. Not a lot of people really, not a lot of interest around women's basketball last year because of their record overall is just not good. Would you say that like it's been a matter of the coaching change has kind of driven that, that overall record change? Like, like, would you say that last year's woes were primarily because of a lack of good coaching staff? Um, I don't know if I'd say that. I mean, I just think because you, you go back to the to the Jaylee Mitchell era and, you know, when she got here, you know, let's turn the clock back to 2015 when she first oh, got here. I mean, 12. She, she, yeah. <laughs> He's dating I mean, here. She was um, she took over for a team that was abysmal. I mean, the. The final Mike Peterson team went five and twenty-five in Jeez. in in fourteen fifteen, and when Coach Mitchell got there, I mean it, it was a a shot in the arm to that program at the time. I mean because she was she's the she was the I mean she is the greatest player to ever suit up for North Texas basketball. Jaylee Mitchell is, and so when you have a legend coming in to coach your team and you need to rescue a plane out of the dive that the final Mike Peterson team was. Um, it helped. And I mean, you look at the very first, the very first Jaylee Mitchell game, they went up to Norman and upset a ranked Oklahoma team. So, that's crazy. you know, so I, I don't, I, I don't want to pin it on, purely a coaching thing. I, I think there was maybe kind of a, again, it's hard for me to say because I'm, I'm not in those meetings and I don't see everything behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, so it, it, I, I think too, I, what I don't think can be denied is that kind of like the beginning of the Mitchell era, the beginning of the Burton era has been a huge shot in the arm in terms of just because sometimes sometimes you know it, for whatever reason good coaching bad coaching it just fizzles out at some point and i think right, to the a message degree, goes old right the yeah, message goes I, stale and i think to a degree it had kind of fizzled out and so when you have you know a, a jason burton coming in who's got this track record of success and turned AM commerce into this division two power enough to make him jump up to division one um, that, you know, it's, it's a combination of things, but you know, that, that's not to take anything away from, from Jaylee Mitchell, but I, I do think it was just, uh, a lot of people thought it was, it was time for a change and, you know, you, you look at how it's gone and I don't think North Texas could be any happier with how it broke. No. And I mean, you take that success i feel like a lot of times whether you're a coach or a player we're seeing it now with jason or uh i always say jason Burton, but, uh with um jason edwards for for men's basketball you're seeing it you know he was a juco champion translating to being a fantastic player for unt men's basketball kind of the same for the other jason jason burton you know he and from coaching wise taking Division two success at Commerce with the Lone Star Conference. Me and Milo talk a lot about he knows the Lone Star Conference. It is remember that opening conference with Ross Hodge and, and I asked a question 
uh, that you know you're jumping from D two to um to the American. How do you, how does that kind of like translate? And what Jason Burton told me was, you don't know the Lone Star Conference, and that is correct. I did not know the Lone Star Conference, and he d- does know it, and it's kind of shown um, on the team. And I, I think that coming from winning situations, you know, definitely helps individuals, whether you're a coach or a player, when moving to another program. And I mean, four days ago. There was nothing else that that showed that than heading into the fourth quarter down 53-42 was a pretty uncharacteristic performance up to that point. And then winning 72-68 with a 30-point fourth quarter. I mean, just what was that like, reporter uh, calling that game, man? It Man, it was insane because, you know, it was – and you always know at the end of the day, it's it's – it's college kids playing a sport. You're you're never going to be going out there every night with we're supposed to win, so we're going to win. And you look at it on paper and and Jason Burton will tell you the same thing. Like you never should have gotten down 18 to Wichita State. Um and, and but the thing is so you're going to drop some games that you're not supposed to drop. That's just the reality of it. But for them to dig deep like they did, I mean, at the 202 mark of the third quarter, they were down 18. They closed the third on a 7 0 run mm-hmm. to cut it to 11 to start the fourth quarter. And, you know, you look back at it in the grand scheme of things, whereas I'm sitting up there thinking that, ah, great, this thing's probably over. And then they go on that 7-0 run to end the third, and, and that was kind of when it clicked of like, okay, they've got a shot. And then the offensive explosion in the fourth quarter was just insane. I, I, I think that's the second highest scoring quarter of the year. I think only the fourth quarter against UNT Dallas um, in the the opener against their NAIA school was the only time they've scored more points in a single quarter this year. But the, the funniest thing that, that I got a kick out of when I talked to Coach Burton post-game was early – I can't remember if it was late third quarter or early fourth, but Desiree Colonel goes for a, a ball up in the air and just – I mean, gets like a, it's like a full blown hockey collision midair. <laughs> um, that and her head just oh. hits the ground hard. Oh my gosh, man! And so and she she stayed down for about a minute or so, and the you know the trainers come out there and check on her, and you know they're tending to her and 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 they put her through concussion protocol and everything. But when she she pops up and you know they they help her stand up. And and Coach Burton turns away from the pile, and he's laughing his head off. <laughs> and I'm like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> and so, and and it just kind of shows you the the again back to the overused term of culture. Yeah. I asked, we asked Coach Burton about that post game. He's like, why? What was with the the chuckling and the smiling when you're you're getting up from watching one of your top players? you know, maybe have a concussion. And Desiree, and, and, and to quote Coach Burton, Desiree Colonel on the floor, getting checked out, looks up at him and says, Coach, they shouldn't have done that. We're going to win this game. <laughs> 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 
And they did. They went up from that point on. They outscored Wichita State 37 to 15. Man. Wow. I mean, that that's an that's a great story. <laughs> I'm glad you hey, said yeah, that. That's one. a good to see. That's yeah. we wouldn't have known that had we not no, brought you on. We wouldn't have. There you go. Thanks for that, Beb. I do want to talk about Desiree Colonel a little bit here. I mean, what a shot in the arm for the team. You used that term a couple of times. What a shot in the arm for the team coming from Texas AM Commerce was an all-conference player with uh Texas uh AM Commerce under Burton. I mean, I think the stat that stands out to me is just the versatility uh, at all three levels for, for Colonel. I mean, 40.7 from three. Um, just a, seems like a pure scorer and really has been everything that she was expected to be when transferring. Yeah, I mean, and, and you look at it too, before A&M Commerce made the jump to D1, she was a Division II All-American. Yeah. So she she was insane at the D2 level, which – you know, you always wonder, okay, is D2 going to translate to D1? And it did for her at Commerce. And then you go, okay, is 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 D, small, really small school D1 going to translate, Southland Conference going to translate to uh, the American? And, and, it, and, and it turns out it does um, when you're that good. But, yeah, she's just – she she's a, a ball of energy you know when we're on the road she's just all there, there there's always a joke or something going on with her always laughing making everyone else laugh and i think you know when you're going back to the whole culture thing when you're trying to install a new culture at a new program you got to have something to lay the foundation and i think colonel and and to an extent too Deani robinson who also came with her from commerce um, has been the foundation of what Burton wants to mm. install here. And mm. with all that being said, you know, is you, you've got to have when, and I think this is what's been genius behind his part is when you're, you're installing a new culture, you're building up a new team, you, you need to have someone there who knows what it's like to win at that high level. And, Colonel and Robinson both, I don't want to take Deani Robinson out of this, yeah. know what it takes to win because they did it so much at Commerce. And so, you know, Colonel last year in the, the Lone Southland Conference year, Division One for Commerce, Deani Robinson, they're the two top players for Commerce. Deani Robinson in January tore her ACL. And so Colonel had to adapt because she became the focal point of that Lions team. They played her at the five, at everything from the one through the five. They played Desiree Colonel. And just talking to her about that, that alone, experiencing that, not playing with your co-best player and having to basically take over a team's offense taught her so much in that last Commerce season. Because like you said, it turned her into a three-level score before she was just kind of playing the three or the four or the five. And, you know, going down low and trying to take shots in the paint. And she still does that spectacularly. But when you start playing her at the one or the two, that forced her to expand her mid-range game and start taking more three-point shots and things of that nature. And now it's all just so natural to her that she can do it all. I mean, she's still you, – you can tell she's still most comfortable playing down low. That's what she likes to do. 
But if she's got to play outside or she's got to put up a three or has an opportunity to put up a three, she can do it because she had to do it at Commerce when Deonte Robinson went down. And it just shows the, you know, the, the dedication of what it takes to win from that perspective, from a, a fellow player. And I think the rest of the Mean Green roster that returned from last year saw, can, can see that. They see it every day in practice. They see it every day in, on game day. And they can all look at it and say, this is what we got to do to win. And the rest of the team's bought into that. Yeah. Yeah. I I think it's just interesting that we get, I mean, we're seeing contributions all across the board from everybody. Um, And I I think if you've got a team like that, that's going to, you know, make a run for the conference championship, you got to have all hands on deck. And I think we're seeing that so far. And that that's, that's always an integral part of a a championship caliber team. Um, And we're seeing that. So yeah, yeah. And, you know, for for go, go ahead, Reed. Yeah, so <laughs> for years, you know, when I when I look at Colonel and 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 kind of what she's brought to the table, um, when you think six foot forward at UNT who stood out, obviously the first name that would come to your head is Madison Townley. You know, <laughs> she was that Madison Townley was more of like a traditional four. You know, she rebounded and scored in the paint most of the time. You know, and I, that's what I think is so impressive about Colonel is that she's been able to score at all levels, like I was saying, but, you know, I think it's interesting to have another like six foot forward. um, That's a a leader of the team that it just seems like some, a UNT thing now. It very much is. It's kind of funny that you do bring that up because, you know, that, that was kind of the, the, the closest thing to, in terms of the mental game and the, will to win the best comparison from previous years of UNT basketball to the current stretch of UNT basketball. It's Desiree Colonel and Maddie Townley, two very different people, two very different basketball players in the sense of exactly what they do on the floor. But at the same time, will will just literally do anything that it takes to win. You know, for Maddie Townley, a lot of it, it was, it was you know, taking the charge. I mean, I don't know how many times I said <laughs> offensive foul drawn by Maddie Townley over the last four years. Um, and, and Colonel, it, it was funny. She almost took, in the game against SMU, she, all, she doesn't take charges, but she almost took a charge <laughs> against SMU. They ended up calling the foul on her, but it was another one of those moments of, of she was laughing and and pointing at, at Coach Burton and Burton was pointing back at her like, hey, you almost took a charge there. Um, but it's um, you know, and how she plays down low, more on the offensive side, whereas Maddie Townley was more of the defender type. Um, it, it's just having that player down low. It's it's a UNT thing for whatever reason, and, and it's really fun to watch. There, I in just across any sport, I think it's funny how kind of there is like you can look at a UNT player and be like yeah that that's a UNT player you know I, I th- uh, he's gone now but you looked at fast wide receiver who's not super big Jamori Macklin Jalen Darden you know Michael Lawrence a while ago you know uh then you look at you know UNT men's basketball Juco guard that was written off and now is back Edwards Hamlet Perry and you know, it just seems like for women's basketball, it is that 
six foot forward with a lot of heart. So. Yep. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I I appreciate the insights on women's basketball. We haven't quite gotten that insight from anybody yet. We when John Fields comes on, he talks about a the high school beat a lot of the time for the DRC. So, so it was nice to get someone involved in UNT, but I do want to talk a little bit about men's basketball here, kind of out of your area, but you pay attention to all UNT sports. Let's be honest. How about that Mahomey Burrow-esque looking throw? (laughs) Oh my goodness. I need to, okay. Okay. So I've got a story about this. So the, I'm sure. Have y'all seen the clip of? I know Milo, you're a huge Kevin Harlan fan. Oh, yeah, no. yeah. I, I think we both are, but yeah. Have, you, have, you seen, have you seen the clip of him doing the "I'm calling both games"? Thing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I did that last night because the ending of that game was in the middle of my halftime segment. Oh my yeah. god! So maybe I'll have to rescue it and put it on Twitter or something. But Dude, you, know, you have to do that. That's not take away I'm from calling both games. Okay. Calling both games. That, that's not take away from Hank Dickinson's call because he had a fantastic call <laughs> yeah, that's that was going mini viral on Twitter this morning. But um, yeah, because I, I pulled up the game on ESPN Plus and I'm sitting there. It's like, oh, the Mean Green are in a good one with ECU, and then that final sequence. I'm like, well, it's sitting right here in front of me, so I might as well call it. And I did, and it's it's floating around out there somewhere. I need to yeah. I need to track it down. Yeah, but you yeah, know, no, that, find that, it and send it yeah. to us. Point being is that was an insane ending. I I don't know if I've ever seen something like that. No, so, I, no. I don't go think ahead, so. Reed. Okay. No, I don't. I don't think. Yeah, I'm the reporter, Milo. Can you sit down for a second? Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, you, you cover it for 24 seven. So it's behind the numbers. Yeah. Uh, mean Green 24 seven, sir. Uh, by the numbers. Uh, become a VIP today. Um. Yeah, that was an insane one to call. So I obviously don't travel. They don't pay for my expenses, so I don't travel. And plus, I'm a student still. Um, but I'm I'm making like a sandwich during the first half of that game. And I'm like, eh, you know, this game kind of seems like it go either way. They're really missing Ruben Jones. You know, Ruben Jones missed again with a hamstring injury. Not completely sure the severity of it, which I think all of us um, – being involved in college sports in one way or another, we all wish there was a mandatory injured injury list that was given out, uh, like in professional sports. But uh, he's listed day to day. I think that was reflected a lot in the first half. You know, they missed their senior leader at guard, you know, so John Bugs is also integral for just that leadership aspect. Um, certainly missed him in the first half. In the second half, Starts out with an 8-0 run for East Carolina. R.J. Felton was, I mean, he was making everything that he touched. Um, kind of seemed like uh, ECU was going to pull away, but did not. UNT kept it close. And just the that final sequence of Aaron Scott puts up three shots, misses all of them. Rondell Walker, you know, an unsung hero so far this season. His stats point-wise, don't reflect the impact he's had since transferring to TCU. Rondell Walker has been a dog on defense and just down in the trenches. He's been putting in hell of an effort. Um, rebounds it, puts it back up. You think that's going to be it. ECU's going to get the last shot, or so I thought. I put on I put on Twitter, um, ECU will take, or I was like, Pirates will take the last shot. 
I was incorrect. Uh, William Moriarty reminded me that I was incorrect. They did not take the last shot. <laughs> um, RJ Felton comes down, nails, and first of all, the refs miss a travel. He gets to the key, shoots, banks it in. Don't know if he called a bank or not. Um, then Aaron Scott becomes a prime Tom Brady, finds Marvin Harrison down low, uh, Robert Allen. Robert Allen threw, threw, and a lot of people did not recognize this part. The person that was in the best position to block Robert Allen was the potential game winner, R.J. Felton. He missed. He just did not get there in time, and Robert Allen put it in. And, you know, th that's history. I think that is probably there, – there's been a lot of UNT basketball moments the last – three years with the McCaslin era, the NIT victory, the, the USA championship, the Purdue I think, win. That's I think, gotta be top yeah. three. Top yeah, three I, th I think in terms of regular season wins, I mean, that's right up there with uh, Louisiana Tech. I remember a couple of years ago, they, they went into Ruston and they put up a, a buzzer no, they, beater shot. The Tyler Perry. Yeah, yeah, there was that. So in terms yeah. of regular season, because I know we had a lot of clutch Tyler Perry moments and, uh, you know, Hamlet and everybody else, but I think that's probably right up there with regular season. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's that's got to be top five at least for yeah. me, if not better. Because yeah. um, I mean, the only ones I can think of is is the Louisiana off the top of my dome anyway. Is the Louisiana Tech one that they they get a lay in right at the buzzer and then um, Perry drilling that three at UAB late. Oh, that was. Um, yeah, when they won their 12th game in a row off of that late oh, Perry cool. three, um, those are the only two that I'm like that immediately come to mind in terms of regular season of ones that are yeah. just like, what the heck did I just watch? <laughs> yeah. and, but even then, yeah. it's like you know, it's it's like a it's like a setup of, okay, you know, you're gonna get a shot, or here comes the fast break. It's not. Yeah. There's 3.1 seconds left on the clock. Let me throw a hail mary to the other end of the floor. <laughs> so, so now, my question is, was that a push? Because we've seen we've seen the debate going on, and I know everybody in Mean Green Nation is like, "That's not a push." What are you talking about? And then we're also seeing a lot of other people um, from ECU saying that it was. So, was it or was it not? I don't. I mean, I'll let you weigh in first, Bab. I mean, I. I get the argument, um, but in that scenario, I don't think it was enough to warrant a foul. Um, That's exactly what I'm thinking. Yeah, because it like if it's again, what other scenario are you chucking the ball the entire length <laughs> of the court? Exactly. <laughs> but if if let's say say that happened like at the midway mark of the first half. I think they do probably call the foul there, but that's never going to happen. So in that scenario with 3.1 seconds left, I don't think it was anywhere egregious enough to, with 3.1 seconds left, call a foul. I'm, I'm very much a proponent of in crunch time like that, unless it is blatant, you yeah. do not, the, the ref should yeah. keep, keep the whistle in the pocket. Yeah, and it's like that old football homage. There's holding on every play. You know, there's probably something in every – I tweeted this, that there's probably something in every game-winning play that you could go, 
mm, that could have been a foul. Listen, I think if the Eastern Carolina, I, I can't at the top of my head remember who it was. If the Eastern Carolina player embellishes it a little bit, as soon as he feels Robert Allen's hands on him, if he goes down, maybe he gets that call. But he didn't. And, you know, Robert Allen, I mean, he, he became prime Odell Beckham Jr. in that instance and came down with the ball <laughs> and, and had the wherewithal to turn around and put in put in the bucket in time with a, I think it was like a second and three tenths left. Um, but yeah, I completely agree with you. There's just not enough in that situation. I really an unprecedented situation because the only t- I'm sure it's happened a lot more times, but the most iconic time that you can think about that happening is the, the Leitner play against mm-hmm. Michigan. Um, and it's even that really, wasn't baseline yeah. to baseline. That was baseline to the free throw line on the no, late. I mean, that was bad. Aaron Scott. I mean, that throw was. Sign that man up. Have him complete with, uh, complete was... with uh, Chandler Morris for the quarterback. Yeah. Spot. Yeah. You, you yeah. thought that Chandler Morris was going to be the starter. Not so fast. No, it's Aaron Scott. Scott, man. He's going to make this a quarterback competition. <laughs> He's going to compete with Derek Thompson for tallest UNT quarterback of all time. <laughs> nice. Plus 10 points for the Derek Thompson reference. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I got to mention tree every time I can. Um, but, you know, I just think that UNT men's basketball is finally this season trending in the right direction. It, it, there's been a lot of questions of this team going forward, uh, especially during those uh, those pre those pre conference games of like, oh man, are they feeling the effects of McCaslin leaving? Is Hodge the guy? You know, how's yeah. how are they responding to Hodge being the guy? But when I think when you look back at it, really, and you look back at all the McCaslin seasons. I think with every McCaslin team that had success, they were all there was similar. a yeah, there was a yeah. point in, at the beginning of like the first 10, 12 games where you go, well, UNT men's basketball is not going to be great this season. You know, there yeah. was never, I don't recall, I remember in 2021, there was a lot of hype heading into that. And they had the most regular season win, and 22, 23 had the most regular season wins, but they didn't start that season off particularly well either. Um, yeah, I mentioned that. I think I mentioned that last episode was that, you know, it'll, I mentioned that it's going to be interesting to see how they fare on conference play. Obviously, they have exceeded expectations. But at the same time, I know some people were a little bit nervous, worried about this team because they didn't perform so well in conference play. I feel like UNT has never really gotten off to a hot start no. in non-conference play. I feel like they've always kind of been like mediocre in non-conference play and then they kind of turn up the dial when it comes to when it comes time for conference play. And and to that point Milo, I mean the philosophy with Mac was very much the same as the philosophy with Hodge is, you know, and and granted it's gotten harder in recent years because No as, pun intended. as basketball has gotten whatever. As basketball is as as Mean Green basketball has gotten better and better. Um, it's harder and harder to schedule the the tougher teams, but you still like I look at at the beginning of this one too. It's like of your five non conference losses, four of them were by a combined eleven points. Yeah, and that was against, albeit not you know it's not like you're playing blue bloods, but it's no. St. Yeah. John's and LSU and yeah. And and established programs, and you're you're hanging with them too. Established programs, and so and you're still just right on the cusp there, but you're not breaking through. And I feel like a lot of people, when that's happened, like no, I go back to last year, the the game against at St. Mary's, where yeah, 
the entire team had the flu they had and the they flu, lost yeah. by 30. <laughs> and, and and everyone wants to start panicking and whatnot. And it's like, just just take take a breather. The reason that they schedule these games is so when conference rolls around and it starts to matter, you're you're much better prepared than playing a bunch of cupcakes in non-conference. Yeah, and right. you have to mention the three losses in a row. Boise State should have won that game. Fordham, last second shot, should have won that game. Mississippi State controlled the first half, died in the second half. You know, it's it's not like they've been like they it's not like they got played off the court in their losses, kind of to your point where it was, I don't know, eleven combined points for those first two. Um, they were certainly competitive in all of those games. Mississippi State less so in the second half, but I think there was like a nine oh run somewhere in, in that game in Tupelo. Um but yeah, to to your point, I don't think that was anything to worry about. And to Milo's point. Yeah, UNT has never started like super hot. You know, they they've climbed their way up the net rankings. They don't. They never start high. They 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 like to make it a little bit hard on themselves. But these next few games will certainly define that huge one against reigning CBA champions and upsetters of fraud Atlantic University. Um, yeah, that's what we call week, them here, fraudulent Charlotte, Atlantic University, uh, Charlotte. <laughs> Coming up this weekend, then perhaps the biggest game of the season so far, uh, SMU at the pit on ESPN2 next Thursday, followed by, oh, uh, no, no one, just, you know, Final Four team, FAU. Um, then UAB at the pit, South Florida, Tulsa. I mean, that's about as hard as a is a six get or as a, like a five-game stretch there, as you can ask for if you're UNT basketball right now. Of course, they don't play Memphis until my birthday, February 15th. So, you know, this is a an integral stretch of, of games for UNT because if you figure if they go if they go four and one in this stretch, you go, okay, maybe they're gonna challenge Memphis for the title. If they go three and two, it's mm, we'll see. Let's wait until they play Memphis. I I think the AAC especially is one of those conferences that just wants to cannibalize itself so badly. Every night, there's bound to be an upset, you know. FAU was fantastic, looked great, competing against everyone, including against major teams. Then they get to conference play and lose two. So (laughs) it's certainly a a gauntlet of a conference this season. And, you know, I, I, for one, just just wonder, you know, where does UNT sit in this conference? Because you know they're top five, but where in those five spots do they lie? You know? You know, I'd say... It, it's it, You summed it up perfectly. Is this, this stretch will probably tell you. I want to, you know, I want to lean in and say they're a top... I think... I'm going to go out on a limb. I say they're better than FAU. I think they can. Does FAU do, no, do they come? Choice. Do they come here or does FAU? I can't remember. Do do we go to Boca or does do they come here? They come. Uh, they go. UNT goes to Boca first, and then uh, FAU visits the pit 
second okay. last game. I, I feel like you could uh, go into Boca's hard because yeah. that that gym is it's that gym, it's, yeah. It's basically a high school gym, so when they <laughs> fill it up, it, it's loud. Yeah. In there. Um. So for it's deceptively hard to play in. Yeah. Um. If you can split FAU, I think you're gonna. It's it's you in Memphis, because I think I think they can definitely get FAU and Denton. I think they've got a shot to do it in Boca, and then I think that just leaves Memphis, and Memphis has got to come here. Yeah, uh, I believe so. Yeah. You know, Penny Hardaway at the Super Pit, but um, <laughs> yeah, who would have thought that at any yeah. point ever? So I think that's that. I oh man, Memphis is so tough. But that's I think what I'm saying, man, I, I'm thinking you can at least be the two seed heading into the tournament if you can obviously take care of business where you need to take care of business and then at least split with FAU. Um, Memphis is going to be hard, man. That is such a good team. That's it may saying. be one of those things where you lose in the regular season and then you hope you hope you can get <laughs> revenge in the tournament type thing. Yeah, I, I just don't see the Memphis bus stopping. I mean, they had that scare against UTSA, but they're good. A lot of yeah, talent on that they're team. They're so good. Well coached by Penny. Good team. Yeah. I mean, they're they're they play like a major for sure. Um, I was a little bit shocked when they did not they were not included in that big move to the Big Twelve. I know football isn't quite there yet for them, uh, even though they just beat a Big Twelve team in the uh, Liberty Bowl, ironically, with Seth Hennigan didn't zone. <laughs> but you know, I, I want I think a thing I've I've noticed with basketball uh, in the American, especially with UNT, is that the football season with with the new additions, it was kind of like, wasn't that good? Oh, okay, well, yeah, mm, we'll see. To Man, be expected you... when half your conference gets imploded like that, right? Yeah, and yeah. you bet with a a Rezco and uh, whoever's going to replace him coming up here. Uh, you bet this this uh, American basketball season has put a smile on their face in UNT's regard because this is kind of affirmation for them okay unt men's basketball 11 and 5 has won six straight women's basketball um 13 and 4 uh has won or 14 and 3 rather pardon me uh has won four straight four and one in conference play i mean if you're the american you're you're putting on a a big smile and going you know what maybe we did make the right decision bringing in unt and i think that's a big deal yeah, I mean, I think that that's you know, it's, it's always you got to prove yourself when you get to a new place, and and that's the thing. I think everyone, and and from my my very 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 brief foray working in the athletic department as the volleyball SID, um, <laughs> you know, I think that's the thing is that the foundation for UNT has been there. It's just okay, who who can take a chance? And I know the when this realignment slash chaos theory time rolled around it was like yeah. okay do we go to the american i know there were rumors circulating about the big west for a little bit um but it was or not, not the big west the mountain west excuse me other yeah. western conference um but it was like okay who takes a chance and it's like the foundation's always been there the facilities are great the you know they're uh, they're investing more into athletics and it's it's really cool to see it in the first year in the american obviously you know, football, you'd like to have a better season. Hopefully they do with all these transfers next year that they're bringing in. But the whole basketball experience has been awesome. And I don't think it could really break any better no. than how. For sure not. 
And uh, I'm sure Jared Mosley and the rest of UNT and the American Athletic Conference was waiting for the spring slate because you got your premier teams in men's basketball and softball taking the field. I'm excited for softball season. I, I'm I'm trying to get Milo into it so we can talk about it on the podcast while I'm covering the softball. Yeah, I don't know, yeah, dude. You need to get into softball, Milo. I, I, know saying, I don't know man. about that. Yeah, I know. I'm, 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 I'm not into know. baseball as you, is. So you would love watching Kaylee Christensen throw darts from behind the plate. I, I just know you would. I don't know. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. I'll teach you maybe, what a maybe, drop ball maybe, is. Maybe I might dabble into it a little bit because uh, <laughs> we, because you know. We, we're gonna we're gonna have it's gonna be slim pickings this summer, you know, this spring. Yeah, dude, so they they start in, they start at Arizona, and Arizona has been a perennial powerhouse in softball. Yeah. So you, you're gonna have to talk about it one way or another because you think <laughs> I'm gonna sit here and not talk about it? Come on now. No, I mean, <laughs> hey, hey, I, I've done a good job with women's basketball. You have, you have. Well, we should get into it a little bit. I would be remiss if we had you on this podcast and we didn't talk a little hockey. Oh, um, heck yes. <laughs> we talk yeah. about everything. It's another Mean Green podcast, but we like to pride ourselves. I'm sounding like the Tom Brenneman and there's a drive to left field, but um, <laughs> we like we pride ourselves on being a podcast uh, and there's a drive to left field. Uh, the Reds now lead four to three. Um, yes, that's one deep. Yeah, there you go. Um, man, it's been a great season for the stars, huh? Oh, man. Yeah, it's been about everything you can hope for. If just the Winnipeg Jets would stop winning, that would be nice. They're insane. They came from out of nowhere. Literally, my Rangers are first, and then all of a sudden, next thing I know, Winnipeg's up there. And they and the, the Rick Bonus-led Winnipeg Jets. Bonus. What the That's got to hurt. That's got to hurt. Star- Do you understand, Milo and Reed? I know, Reed, you're kind of newer to this whole hockey. I'm trying. I'm trying. But, Milo, <laughs> do you understand how frustrating it is when – and obviously one of these is way more than the other. Rick Bonus has turned the Jets into one of the best teams in the NHL. Somehow. I still don't know. Yeah. How. And Jim Montgomery, Jim Montgomery in Boston has turned the Bruins, well, last year turned the Bruins into the best regular season team in NHL history. And those yeah. are two former Dallas Stars coaches. Yeah. I don't... And, and the knock against Pete DeBoer Man, he is, he changed everything from the sinking ship that ironically Bonus was piloting, um, <laughs> and now suddenly isn't in Winnipeg. But that you know the Pete DeBoer, the whole thing of he's never going to win the big the whole thing, and it's like man, you get so close last year in the Western Conference Final, and now you got to go through. You know, one of or maybe all of Winnipeg, Colorado, Vegas again. It's just like for what it's on, worth, man. for what it's worth, you won't have to deal with Winnipeg in the playoffs. Trust me, because Winnipeg, we all know they choke in the playoffs. So that's true. Okay. That's true. You, you get a pass with them. You'll just have Unless to, we get paired up with, with them in the first round or something. Oh yeah, they can make it past round one. Okay, yeah, I yeah. just I just want to notice a a little thing of irony here. Isn't there? I, it is not missed on me that the Jets are really good this year, and it's not your New York Jets, my. <laughs> yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. Well, the Jets would have been the Jets would have been good had Mister Rogers. Not Chandler. No, he wouldn't. Aaron Rod, the big Aaron yeah. Rodgers. Yeah, Chandler Rogers is the new quarterback for New York Jets. Yeah, no, if season. if Aaron Rodgers did not 
tear his Achilles, we would have been okay. We would still be watching. We would still be experiencing New York Jets football right now. Yeah. Well, just but, to keep it on hockey for a little bit. Um, yeah. Man, my Minnesota Wild. Your Minnesota five. The Your Wild Minnesota simply wild. exist. That's it. They, they all, Bab, you can admit, they just yeah. exist. Hey, hey, as a huge fan of the former American Hockey League franchise known as the Houston Arrows, the primary development affiliate of the Minnesota Wild. Um, <laughs> man, does that team do nothing but exist. I mean, they, they are never going to have a top five draft pick, and they are never going to get to the conference finals. They will forever be in between. And <laughs> what was it? Was it was it 03, Milo? Like their third year in the league, they made that bizarro run to the Western Conference Finals. And they have not been back since. Well, I and, think so, yeah. And they were and, good with Gabrick. They had Gabrick for a while, and, and he was good with them. But Yeah, I but mean, they also had um, they had Gabrick. They had – did they have Miko not, – was not Miko Rantanen. Yeah, Koivu. Koivu was their captain was, for years, yeah. There was some other – there's some other guy who I'm from, like, Finland. They or also had Backstrom. Mikhail Backlund as well. He was good. He was good. He, he had like one like what seventy point season for them. Yep. They signed yeah, Zach Parise and Ryan Suter in the summer of twenty eleven and the classic like, lockout the, deal. The, yeah. yeah, the whole like you know coup of free agency, and did nothing with it. Like they still have. And you know what? I'll go on out of limb, Milo, and read. Maybe <laughs> you don't have maybe, to keep saying and read, man. It's all right. Maybe maybe the Wild get a top five pick this year because Jared Spurgeon's out for the season as of this morning. Yeah. So maybe they just absolutely crater and finally get a top five pick. I think the only way they get a lottery pick like that, a top five, is if they trade for it. Because, but then even at that, who do you well, trade? Who do you well, trade they just, for? A they, top, just, they just top put, pick. they just put flurry. They're shopping flurry. He's old. They're shopping him for a retirement they're, home. Yeah, they're they're trying to get him one more cup. They're not going to get a first rounder for him. <laughs> no. Oh, come on. So, he, I mean, he's my second favorite goalie who wears twenty nine. So. Oh my. Oh, there yeah, you go. So that's <laughs> a flurry is fraudulent, dude. I am convinced. Mark Andre Flurry, second all time in wins now, but I don't think his overall career. Reflects. Okay, Look, well, would you say Mark Andre Fleury is a top three goalie okay. of all time? I, th top I five. think there's something no. to say about longevity, though. Longevity, yeah. yeah. But look at the teams he's played with. I'd say, <laughs> you know what, Milo? I, I definitely put him top ten. Maybe I'd stretch it to top five, but not top three. I wouldn't even put him in top five, honestly. I mean, top ten, yeah, arguably. I mean, it took the guy almost twenty years to win his first Vezina, so. And then you can you can say you can say oh well well he played in an era with Lundqvist, Price, Rene, all those other good goalies. But then that defeats the whole argument for him being. Do you notice man. he could he could not have had a goalie conversation without mentioning Hank Lundqvist? Yeah, of course, <laughs> Lundqvist actually. And Hank what, what's is your, uh, what's uh, yeah okay. I just want to make a side note to the listener who is still hanging on to this podcast midway through. <laughs> <laughs> um. As we have we have desperately tried to get Reed into hockey for years now, and now that he's finally coming around to it, there there was this early period in the trying to convert him phase 
where he would just make up names for Dallas Stars players. <laughs> Emmett Otterton, yeah. Emmett Otterton and uh, James Ben. James <laughs> Ben. <laughs> Which I still get a kick out of because I cannot look at a game, go to a Stars <laughs> game, watch TV that Ottinger's starting and not at least once through at the course of the game. <laughs> oh, yeah, there's Emmett Otterton. My head is. Oh man, what a save by Emmett Otterton! <laughs> hey, hey, shout out to Ottinger. Came back and gave up six first game back. Good yeah, job, buddy. <laughs> but yeah, well, yeah, so, I, I no, did want to mention that real quick. Um, yeah, how weird is it for y'all? I mean, Mila has made a few comments about this. It took a girl that I'm dating to make me like hockey. After y'all have been trying for three years, I see. I don't know if it's just one of those examples of, you know, we'll do anything for love, or if that's <laughs> terrible on sappy, me and Milo's yeah. part. Look, I don't think we did anything wrong. I literally think we tried our hard. You you offered for a ticket to go watch I, the I, game. Yes. And then you still have not taken me up he on that. Still lead. But it takes a damn girl, a girl, for him to come in and say, but "Oh, I love hockey now." You started dating this girl, and and now now you're flying up to Boston for D three women's hockey. There you go. See, hey, exactly. Hey, let me tell you, it was damn good hockey. It was a it was a four two win. By the way, um, I I had a great time watching it. Listen, listen, it's not my that offer I ever... is still on the table. My offer right. is still I, on the I table. That. Free tickets for a Stars game if you just go. So for context, okay, for context as well, my girlfriend is a goalie named Casey, and um, Bab does have a bet on the table. If she scores, then he owes us both a steak dinner. So yeah, uh, if, that if, ever she beca- if she becomes the first goalie in the history of Division Three women's hockey to score a goal, I get both of them a steak hey, dinner, and that's still I on the be table. Surprised. But listen, 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 listen. It was not because I started dating her. It, I think it was. I was like, I think, hockey. It, was too. I think it was. Yeah, you're out. I was like, no, 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 just let me talk. I, I was hot curious, right? Like, hot I tried. <laughs> <laughs> I was hot curious. Um, I when when the stars made that deep run last year, I was like, damn, dude, R- Robbo's he's half fat white, half Filipino. Nah, That's exactly. And so. On hockey, John, so, Caleb, and I no, were all no, talking no, about no, it. No, no, just you were hating. Just let me talk. So I watched some of those games. I even predicted that Pavelski would walk off that one game uh, versus the Golden Knights. I tweeted out Joey Pavs for the win in OT, and he did. Um, and you know, just out of the blue, I met a girl who played hockey. Listen, how would that have looked if I got into a relationship and was like, eh, I'm going to pretend to like hockey just so I can date this girl. I actually got really into it just so I could know what was happening. I'm still learning a lot of stuff. I just learned what shooting from the point was like two weeks ago. Um, <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you. It's not called a walk off when they score an overtime winner, by oh, the way. Whatever. What is it called? Uh, it's I mean, just called I mean... a game winner. I don't know. I've heard walk it off before. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you, I'll give you speech, half. But... I'll give you half thanks. credit for that. Thanks, thanks, guys. Um, yeah. <laughs> what's it called? 
So thanks no. For listening to hockey talk. Listen, yeah. yeah. Thanks for listening to the hockey talk for less. You open the can of worms, by the well, way. Well, listen, listen, listen. I enjoy hockey now. Like I just enjoy watching it. But yes, Casey did help me understand it because my big thing before I met her was I refused to learn hockey. Remember that? So you didn't like it. No, I I didn't. How do you dis- refuse to learn I didn't something? Dislike it. I'm just a dude. You know me. I'm just a hater. Like whatever. whatever so you admit like. that you hated it then? That you're a no, hater. You hate it. I'm a hater of things in general. If y'all would have liked it, then I would have. Um... That's BS. Yeah, whatever. I'm calling BS on it. What, what What matters now? It doesn't. It doesn't matter how you're in the fold now. Yeah. How it doesn't matter how I got to my hockey journey. It is. It, it's. It was not the journey it was the destination there we go we'll shorten it like that right. it wasn't um, the hockey but the hockey we made along the way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i think that is the perfect way to end this podcast there you go all right man bab thank you for coming on i mean we've been trying to get you on for literal weeks uh the, our, our schedules just not have aligned we got you to do a bumper that was a little teaser for your time uh, you're, you're second to come on the podcast, second guest. Uh, I'll let you know. You'll be followed by Caleb Yum. So big things coming in the future. Um, man, one of the best commentators I know, if not the best. Always enjoy listening to your calls, man. Voice of women's basketball. You can catch him on uh, what station are y'all on? The Varsity Network app. The Varsity Network app. Uh, the app is a little hard to find things just look up north texas and you'll find it um yeah i've done that many a time um and you also do things for mean green sports network which is a and 88.1 indie affiliate yep so and you can you can tune in random on that. sports to hear me on across north texas athletics yeah i mean just just to give people a, a scope of what it is you know i think bab is intertwined with unt culture as much as anyone you've really engulfed yourself in that um just like hank dickinson really you know just kind of you're a part of it like people know your name uh and associate you with unt stuff um i've known you for three and a half years now been a great friend great colleague uh and i appreciate you coming on man no problem appreciate you guys having me on all right well if you would like to subscribe to Mean Green 24-7, you should do that. Uh, with basketball season in full swing and softball right around the corner, you'll not want to miss content like By the Numbers. A look at UNT's wins and losses by the facts and the figures. Become a Mean Green 24-7 VIP today, and you'll make me happy. And that's all that matters. All right. This has been another Mean Green podcast. Thank you all for listening. Big games for UNT this weekend in both women's basketball and men's basketball. We'll have lots to talk about next week. Goodbye, everyone. Hey, everyone. Reed here again. Just wanted to really make sure that y'all know that there is another episode of Another Mean Green Podcast on Saturday. Stay tuned for that tomorrow. Hope y'all enjoyed the interview. Goodbye.